the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And since I believe, as my guest does, I have every so often a guest on the Ultimate Issues Hour, so you can get an idea of how much I appreciate the person's work. Or, by the way, sometimes I have a person that I strongly differ with. In this case, it is someone I happen to agree with. And uh, he cites the notion that uh, ideas have consequences. One of the consequences is the death of humanity which, ironically, is the title of his book. So, it is time for me to introduce my guest. He is Richard Weikert, and Richard Weikert is a professor of modern European history at California State University Stanislaus and a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute's Center for Science and Culture. I am a huge fan of the... Discovery Institute have had a number of their people on. They have major thinkers writing major stuff. The book, The Death of Humanity and the Case for Life. And uh, Professor Weikert, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Yes, thanks for having me, Dennis. So you're you're afraid that uh, we have entered a period in large measure because of the radical secularization of our culture that human life uh, is simply worth less. Is that a fair summary? Yes. Uh, I think we've already entered that, though. I don't know fear of it. I think we're already there, uh, at least in certainly the intellectual spheres of our culture and uh, civilization in the Western world. We've already, we're already there in many respects. Uh, and I'm hoping we can turn things back, though. I don't think we have to stay there. Uh, so I'm hoping that we can uh, do something about it, and that's part of what my book's about, trying to do something to speak the truth to this generation to try to bring us back from that culture of death. All right, so let's uh, let's use example after example. What's an example or two or three of the culture of death? Well, uh, California just passed an assisted suicide bill, for one, uh, which is bringing us further and further to the notion that humans at the end stages of their life have no value or significance or meaning uh, to them, and it flows uh, from these kind of secular philosophies that I'm uh, critiquing there. But there's some places that are even further gone than uh, the United States in this respect. Uh, Belgium and the Netherlands and Switzerland in particular in Europe are even further along the road uh, to uh, this uh, death. And so let me give you a couple examples from there just to show you where we're going if we keep going the way we're going. In Switzerland, uh, they ha- have what's called suicide tourism, where if you're... Uh, If you're uh, dissatisfied with your life, uh, you're in depression, despair, whatever, you can fly to Switzerland not to enjoy the Alps and recover and, you know, go back uh, rejuvenated, but to kill yourself there. And for just about any reason, uh, there's a lady in Italy who was in her late 50s, early 60s, I forgot exactly, but it was somewhere around there. And she noticed that as she was aging, she was losing some of her physical beauty. And so she despaired of that and decided to go to Switzerland and end it all. And they accommodated her. 
uh, in there's a lady from uh, England who was a retired art teacher, and she thought she was losing touch with the new technologies of this world, and didn't feel like she sort of fit into the the new ways of doing things with uh, all the smartphones and everything else. And so she went to Switzerland to uh, have herself killed. There's a I could give you example after example of these kinds of things, and and you think what in the world are we thinking about? Why are we as a society accommodating these people rather than giving them the love that they need uh, to, you know, dissuade them from ending their lives. But once you find the idea that human life doesn't really have any meaning or significance or purpose, then why not let them commit suicide? All right. Now, do you, uh, considering your culture of death and the book, The Death of Humanity, the 20th Century's Genocides, is that part of it? Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, I go back to the 18th century when I sort of look, try to look at the roots of it. I'm a historian, of course. So I go back to the Enlightenment period uh, in the 18th century as sort of a pivotal turning point toward this uh, process of secularization that then is going to take a couple of centuries to pick up steam and to gain more adherence and to permeate especially into the larger popular culture from the intellectual uh, realms that it starts out at. And one of the key episodes that I identify in the Enlightenment is a beginning of what was called the Radical Enlightenment. And notice it's the radical enlightenment. It wasn't the mainstream enlightenment. The mainstream enlightenment was still believing in things like Thomas Jefferson put into the Declaration of Independence, where he said that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the radical enlightenment was buying into a materialist philosophy, philosophical materialism. They denied any kind of God, and so they also denied human rights, they denied that there was any kind of objective morality. Uh, and so once they got rid of God, they also got rid of any kind of value for humanity, really. And in the 18th century, the way this uh, played itself out in terms of concrete discussions was it opened up a debate about suicide. Uh, and in the 18th century, there was this big debate about the propriety of suicide. And David Hume, a very famous British philosopher of the 18th century, wrote uh, justifying suicide at that time. In fact, in the, the essay, he says that a human life is no more valuable than an oyster. That was his perspective. That's actually his that's terminology? That. Yes, that's what he said, that human life is no more valuable than an oyster. Well, that, it isn't, actually. I mean, if there is no divine uh, image, then I, I challenge anybody, and you obviously do, too, because you note that animal rights movement is not so much about animals as it is about humans. Sure, exactly right. Yeah, and I agree with you, once you dispense with that. What, what's interesting, though, in the course of my book, one thing I try to do is I try to show that a lot of these secular thinkers themselves are not able to uh, live with that or be consistent with their own philosophies. So they can say, and like these, uh, like these 18th century radical materialists did, and by the way, one of those radical materialists wrote a book. Uh, this is a guy named Lametrie. He wrote a book that was called Man the Machine. And so essentially he just thought humans are just a machine. And so because of that, there's no worth, there's no value, no purpose in their lives. We're just a bunch of machines. And that's what I actually title my first chapter of my book. I call it Man the Machine, and I look at how uh, many secular philosophies, especially materialist philosophies, have reduced humans to just being a machine. Uh, but then also my second chapter is created from animals, where I look at how they re we reduce humans to being just another animal. So you're suggesting this animal rights connection uh, that, you know, you're right. It's, it's about demoting humanity from its position as having any kind of specialness or any being in a divine image. 
and such. And so that's another way then of trying to uh, attack the uh, value of humanity then at that particular time. But then I do go up, and you, you asked earlier about the, the genocides and other things like that. Oh, yeah, I do go up and I talk about how a lot of different ideologies, not just materialism, but then building on that on into the 19th century when you get Marxism, other forms of socialism, I discuss those extensively, and the way that they devalued human life, utilitarianism. Uh, so there's a certain irony here that the people who call themselves humanists have actually degraded the worth of humans. Exactly. And this is, this is the, the, I, I try to point the tension between those two things, because you're right. At some level, many of these secular thinkers recognize that there is some kind of value of human life, and this comes through in a lot of their uh, thinking. Let me just give one perfect example of this. Bertrand Russell was one of the most foremost philosophers in Britain in the early 20th century, and he claimed that there was no purpose to human life in, in his, when he was making his philosophical statements. He claimed that human life, that all of our hopes and fears, he said in one writing, he said, are just a, an accidental collocation of atoms. So just, just accidents is where these atoms happen to be located. That's what brought about human life. So he has this, this vision of humanity that's very bleak. But then he got jailed for... Uh, protesting against nuclear arms. Why is he protesting against nuclear arms? Because at some level he knows that human life does have value. He knows we shouldn't be blowing each other up. Uh, so there's a sense that... Well, he was really strange because he at one point advocated dropping a bomb on, on Moscow. He, he, he was a... <laughs> I, I, I'm aware of the guy, but you're entirely right. This really is a great introduction easily read but filled with the data on what has happened to the worth of the human being. It's called The Death of Humanity. The professor who wrote it is Richard Weikert. I have a lot more questions and if you do, it's 1-8-Prager-776. On, on a number of occasions in the course of the year, and not a large number, but sometimes I think it's significant, I do have a guest on the Ultimate Issues Hour. In this case, I do think it's significant. Richard Weikert is a professor at Cal State University, and he has written The Death of Humanity. He has a book coming out, incidentally, later this year, Hit Hitler's Religion. And uh, I am very, very interested in that. I will touch upon that later, even though... We're talking about this book. But I want to give people an idea of why I consider this important, because listeners to my show will know that you and I resonate uh, so completely that uh, that's a a given to them. But the value of this book, aside from the clarity, is that it's got so many footnotes. For example, in other words, it has data, not just a presentation of his ideas. So, for example, listen to this. In August 2005, the London Zoo opened a special primate display, a four-day exhibit of Homo sapiens. Visitors gawked at eight humans wearing bathing suits with fig leaves pinned on. It's funny they would use a biblical analogy, isn't it? Yeah. In some sense, this was a publicity stunt, but it also had a serious purpose. A zoo spokesperson explained, quote, Seeing people in a different environment among other animals teaches members of the public that the human is just another primate. Right? 
One of the people on display, a 26-year-old chemist, reflected on the takeaway message of the exhibit. A lot of people think humans are above other animals. When they see humans as animals here, it kind of reminds us that we're not that special. Worse yet, the zoo issued a communique that explained the intent of the exhibit was, quote, to highlight the spread of man as a plague species. Okay, so there you got it. We're just, uh, it used to be, people would say, so uh, the, the planet consists of humans and animals. But now they say the planet consists of humans and other animals. The language has added one word to demote us to animal status. You, uh, you, you get. I remember that story, but I didn't remember it till I reread it in uh, in your book. That's one of the great values of the book. The book is up, incidentally, at DennisPrager.com. The Death of Humanity. So the this animal thing. Are you aware of uh, PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals? Their program, Holocaust on your plate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You are. Yeah, it's actually. I, I mentioned it in the book, in fact. Oh, good, good, because I didn't get through it all. Go ahead. Tell tell everybody. Oh yeah, they uh, they had uh, they went to various uh, cities throughout the United States with the placards where they uh, had pictures on one side of the Holocaust of people packed into uh, some of these death camps and such, and then they had placards on the other side of chickens uh, that are caged uh, and such, and they were uh, campaigning, calling uh, people who were eating animals, uh, "It's Holocaust on your plate." So you were. Uh, uh, committing Holocaust by uh, eating chickens or yep. whatever other kind of animals you're eating on your plate. So, and they also very interestingly uh, there was a, uh, a campaign against uh, Colonel Sanders too uh, that went on with Peta. I think it was Peta that did that one also. Some animal rights group. I'm pretty sure it was Peta also, uh, where they had up on their website a picture of Colonel Sanders with some diabolical, devilish horns sticking out of his head and stuff. You know that Colonel Sanders is the devil incarnate apparently. Uh, because uh, he's killing uh, chickens. So, you know, they're equating these people with Himmler, who, by the way, interestingly, was a chicken farmer. They didn't mention that in their uh, publicity. I'm surprised, actually. Uh, but uh, they're equating these guys with Himmler and Hitler and, and such because uh, they're killing animals. Right. And such. Well, the interesting thing is there is a book written by a Princeton professor, the name of him and the book I don't recall, many, many, about 20 years ago. And it is about the uh, pro-animal aspect, the right. the animal rights aspect of the of Nazis and Nazism. It's probably Peter Singer, I'm guessing. I mean, no, 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 not, not Singer. No, because uh, I know Cedar uh, Singer was at Princeton, but I don't yeah. think he would have. Uh, the last thing he yeah. would want to do is show how the Nazis were very uh, into animal rights. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I hear. I get you. I thought you were saying the other way around. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Right. No. No. Right. It was. It was. It, it was just. It was really just a scholarly book on that fact. There was a cartoon of. In fact, I believe it was Himmler. Ironically, a cartoon in a Nazi publication in Germany of animals doing Heil Hitler yeah. to Himmler, thanking the Nazis for how much they cared about animals. Yeah, they passed anti-vivisection. Yeah, Himmler was very opposed to vivisection, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but okay animals, on humans. Like that, yeah. But they yeah. but they experimented on humans. Yeah, exactly. Not animals. Yeah. 
because, again, once you reduce humans to an animal, then uh, sort of anything goes with humans. You know, there's another powerful example that I use in my book, too, to, to, demonstrate, the, to demonstrate the kind of mentality that some of this animal rights and uh, environmental rights kind of stuff comes to. Eric Pianca, who was, is a uh, University of Texas evolutionary biologist uh, who specializes in lizards, and he gave a talk, uh, I believe it was 2006, if I recall correctly, at the, National, at the rather, the Texas Academy of Science. He was being given an award there, uh, and he suggested in his talk that it would be a good thing if 90% of the people on the globe were to be killed by some kind of Ebola virus. This is way before we uh, had this huge Ebola outbreak, too, in West Africa. But he was hoping that some Ebola could become aerosol, perhaps somehow would mutate or something to become aerosol, and thus uh, could wipe out 90% of the population of the globe. And he thought that would be a great thing to happen. I know. Uh, the, the there is a, There is a part of the environmentalist movement that, deep down, and sometimes not just deep down, does believe that the humans are a blight on the planet. Oh, yeah. We'll be back in a moment. I had a lot of very interesting calls, including a challenge I want to take from what we call a millennial on the issue of atheism and meaning. The book is The Death of Humanity. Richard Weikert is a professor of European history. Do you like what you've just heard? If so, please consider subscribing to the full commercial-free podcast. There are other benefits, too. You'll get the same stories I get every night from my producer. It's like having your own personal news digest. And you'll have access to my most interesting emails and responses. Go to PragerTopia.com for all the details. That's PragerTopia.com. Or just click on the PragerTopia banner on my website, DennisPrager.com. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com